I'm Kevin Huffman with Kevin Huffman Farms, McGregor, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, glad to be back with you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the cattle industry converges on Texas. The Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show is held in Houston over the coming week. It's going to run through Thursday, and we'll be there to bring you all the latest news from the biggest cattle gathering in the country right here from Houston, Texas over the coming week. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Recent snow in portions of the Texas High Plains has certainly been welcome, but nonetheless, our drought continues, and it could mean less acres being planted in the season ahead. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Four protocols for maximizing effectiveness and value of cattle dewormers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. Farm Bureau members participated in a listening session recently on the proposal to repeal and replace the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cattle producers across the country are making their way here to Texas for the 2022 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show, running Sunday through Thursday in Houston. Ethan Lane is Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We have a fantastic lineup in Houston. We are really excited to, to get down to the Lone Star State, uh, catch up with some of our friends from around the country. Um, you know, we have a full featured policy discussion like we always do. All of our policy committees uh, will be discussing, you know, those issues that are important to cattle producers from coast to coast. We have resolutions coming in from state cattlemen's associations all over the country. We're going to have a full featured trade show, one of the largest, I believe we've ever had. There's going to be lots of opportunities to meet with fellow cattle producers from around the country. Um, and it's going to be a great venue down in Houston. It's a, it's a city that's excited to have us come. Um, it's, it's right in the heart of cattle country. Um, and it should be a really great week uh, to catch up with people from around the country. So we're looking forward to it. All eyes will be on the policymaking aspect of the convention to see where the NCBA stands on the mandatory cash fed cattle trade legislation currently being debated in Washington. The sign-up deadline for the Conservation Stewardship Program is coming up soon. 
Texas landowners have just a few more weeks to get their applications in for the next round of funding through the Conservation Stewardship Program. CSP helps farmers, ranchers, and forest landowners build on existing conservation efforts. According to the Natural Resources Conservation Service, landowners enrolled in CSP earn an annual payment for five years that enables them to achieve a greater level of conservation and stewardship. CSP projects can help landowners improve grazing conditions, increase crop resiliency, and or develop wildlife habitat. NRCS accepts CSP applications year-round, but sets deadlines for funding periods. To be included in the next funding period, apply by February 28th at your local NRCS service center. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Marketing your cotton crop is a year-round job if you're doing it right. Mark Howard of H-Bar-H in Dalhart says he's constantly working on marketing his crop. It, it takes a lot of uh, research, at least the way we do it. We feel like it takes a lot of research, a lot of conversations, a lot of uh, relationship development. It's not all just on the board of trade with options and, and futures. It, it's cash markets with uh, good customers, good buyers. So we're constantly working at it. It's a 24 hours a day, it seems like, many times. It, yes, it's an everyday job. Mark and his brother Greg were recognized as Cotton Marketers of the Year at the recent Beltwide Cotton Conferences in San Antonio. Recent snow in portions of the Texas High Plains is certainly welcome, but the drought continues, and James Hunt tells us that could mean less acres planted in the months ahead. We're still about three months or so ahead of the time when spring planting will begin in the Texas High Plains, but a lack of sufficient precipitation is a growing concern. As just one example, Randall County Extension Agent J.D. Ragland says his county could wind up with less planting overall. If we don't get significant rainfall between now and planting season, I foresee very limited planting being able to occur, and the planting will only occur on places where we have some irrigated acres. And Ragland is saying that even after the recent snow event that delivered about three inches of snow to his county. Of course, as Ragland points out, each inch of snow only translates to about a tenth of an inch of actual precipitation. It'll help maybe supply a little bit of moisture for our wheat situation that's out there, but we're going to need significant more as we approach upcoming planting season to be able to do us any good as as we get ready to put seed in the ground. What Raglan says he's hoping for is that as we move towards spring, a nice two to three inch slow rain will come along. If things like that don't begin to happen, irrigation cannot provide a total solution, as Randall County is far from being the only local county where groundwater resources are diminishing. Our farms and ranches that have limited water, uh, that's just what they've got, is just limited irrigation availability. We do not foresee in the near future, you know, anytime soon, seeing those water levels and capacities up to where they once were once upon a time. Our ongoing drought certainly weighing on farmers' minds right now. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Resistance to cattle dewormers is becoming more of a problem. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at some strategies to minimize dewormer resistance. There are four key protocols that Texas cattle producers can implement to maximize the effectiveness and value of dewormers. More from Dr. John Davidson with Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health. 
In our cattle business, we have uh, launched an educational effort to help the industry, which is the four pillars. The first pillar is, is understanding the parasites that are in that cattle population right now, and that's through doing standardized diagnostic tests that can be done at the veterinary clinic, that can be done at the, the state diagnostic laboratory or, or veterinary college. Understanding what the burdens are, what species of parasites are present is step one or pillar one. Pillar two is recognizing that we have multiple classes of products that are available. We have oral products, we have injectable and pour-on products. We know that when we combine those products with different classes of action, we kill the very highest levels of worms that are in those animals. And we reach levels that we cannot do independently with those products. Pillar three is just good old-fashioned uh, pasture management. We know that peak parasite transmission occurs as, as we overstock, overgraze, and graze closer to the ground. So by maintaining good common sense approach to pasture management, forage height, and stocking rates, we're going to reduce the reinfectivity that's occurring in the grazing system. And the last pillar really is one that when we see the potential for resistance showing up in an operation, we want to set aside a subset of the cattle population that has not been exposed to the drugs. At the end of the day, we have to recognize that new products aren't, are just not coming out very often, and we've got to do everything in our power to ensure the products that we have available to us today are going to continue to work in the future. That is Dr. John Davidson with Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farm Bureau members participated in a listening session recently on the proposal to repeal and replace the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. Michael Clements has the story. The Small Business Administration hosted a public listening session Thursday, giving farmers and ranchers an opportunity to share how repealing and replacing the Navigable Waters Protection Rule would impact them. Courtney Briggs, Farm Bureau Senior Congressional Relations Director, says it was important that agriculture's side of the story is told. Unfortunately, the agency certified that this rule would have zero impact on small businesses. And in reality, there's nothing that could be further from the truth. So this is an opportunity for folks to give real world examples and hear straight from the horse's mouth from small businesses on how this will affect their businesses. Briggs says Farm Bureau members told the Army Corps of Engineers and Environmental Protection Agency how the proposed rule will be detrimental to their businesses. They were able to tell the firsthand experiences that they've had going through the permitting process and dealing with the Army Corps. We even had a member who participated from his farm fields and was standing in a dry ephemeral feature that would be subject to jurisdiction under this proposed new WOTUS definition. She adds small businesses and farms need stability when it comes to waters of the U.S. We hope that they were listening and that they will slow down the regulatory process and recognize the impacts that this rule will have on small businesses. At this stage, this is just a proposed rule. So changes need to be made in order to make sure that small businesses are protected. So we hope that that message got through to the agencies and that they will act accordingly. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Spotted sea trout fishing regulations will change soon for much of the Texas coast. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Cushing's disease is common in older horses. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas veterinary students, the Texas Farm Bureau wants to help you complete your degree. 
This year, the Texas Farm Bureau is offering four $10,000 scholarships to second and third year veterinary students in a professional DVM program in Texas. Applicants must plan to enter a rural or food animal practice in Texas after finishing their degree. Applications are due March 1st. For more information, visit texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cushing's disease is common in older horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says monitoring treatment of it is difficult. If you have a horse over 15 years of age, there is a chance your horse could have some degree of Cushing's disease, correctly called pituitary pars intermediate dysfunction, or PPID. Horses over 25 years of age very commonly have some degree of the syndrome, although they may not develop clinical signs. The disease causes multiple clinical signs, including laminitis, increased water consumption, decreased or increased sweating, and long hair that is not shed in the spring. Diagnosis involves testing a hormone level called ACTH, either as a sole test or after injection of another hormone. The disease is treated by a drug called Procyn, and it can be difficult to determine if the drug is helping and the correct dose is being administered with follow-up testing. In some horses, clinical signs can be used to determine the disease is controlled, and this is effective with shedding of the hair, but more difficult if laminitis is involved. In 20 to 75% of the horses treated, there will be a decrease in ACTH levels when treating with percent, but it may not reduce back to a normal level. However, this can also be confusing because normal ACTH levels vary during the fall of the year and with stress. Dr. David Rendell indicates in the horse publication that an improvement in clinical signs is the most important parameter. If the blood test value is decreased from pretreatment but not normal and clinical signs are improving, this tells us the drug is working. It is recommended to monitor with blood testing twice a year as the disease is progressive and the horse will likely need a higher dose as the horse ages. Ask your equine veterinarian about checking your older horse for Cushing's disease. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spotted sea trout fishing regulations will change soon for much of the Texas coast. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. After hearing from the public, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission moved forward with plans to temporarily alter spotted sea trout fishing regulations. The commission's approval means the bag limit for spotted sea trout in select areas will be reduced to three. The allowable slot limit will be changed to 17 to 23 inches for two years to allow more fish in the water during spawning season to allow the species to recover after losses sustained during winter storm Uri. Hannah Bauer, data analyst for the Coastal Fisheries Division at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said the public largely supported the temporary changes. 61% of commenters supported this proposal, including CCA of Texas, which also would support additional measures that have equivalent biomass benefits. And the Coastal Resources Advisory Committee supported this proposal and made a second motion to support a 17 to 20 inch plot limit to fish bag limit with that same expiration date and expressed support for any more conservative measures the commission might deem necessary. 38% of commenters opposed 
It's worth noting a somewhat unusual pattern in the opposition, though. About 10% of those opposed wanted more restrictive measures than what was proposed, a pattern we also saw in the general comments, with 12% overall wanting more restrictive measures. 10% of those who commented opposed any change to the slot limit. 14% opposed changes to the bag limit. The rule changes would only impact the Matagorda, Aransas, San Antonio, and Corpus Christi Bays in the upper and lower Laguna Madre systems. The rule will go into effect sometime in mid-March. It will expire August 31st of 2023. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. We wrapped up the week on an upswing in our agricultural markets on Friday. Cattle, cotton, and grains all finishing higher. We'll take a look at all of the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. If you're a teacher, the Texas Farm Bureau is inviting you to join us for Ag Literacy Week coming up March 21st through the 25th in conjunction with National Ag Week. We want your help to inspire students to learn more accurate information about agriculture and connect it to what they're learning in the classroom. We're inviting kindergarten through fifth grade teachers across the state to join us in increasing agriculture literacy in the classroom by reading an educational, accurate ag book called Full of Beans, Henry Ford Grows a Car. Here's how it works. Sign up by February 11th at texasfarmbureau.org. You'll receive your free book in the mail by March 18th. Read your book to your class during National Ag Week. Then, submit a picture of you reading the book to your class on social media to be entered into a drawing for prizes. It's a free program for kindergarten through fifth grade teachers. Sign up now at texasfarmbureau.org. The sign-up deadline is February 11th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We wrapped up the trading week with a higher close across the board on just about every market. We'll start with the cattle market, as we always do. Live and feeder cattle futures both ending higher on Friday's February live cattle up 87 cents, 138.70. April up a dollar forty-seven at one forty-three ten. June live cattle up a dollar thirty at one thirty-eight even. March feeder cattle up twelve cents, one fifty-nine sixty-two. April feeders up twenty at one sixty-five thirty. While May feeder cattle were up sixty cents, ending the week at one sixty-nine ninety-two. Cash-fed cattle trade wrapping up the week, selling cattle in a range of one thirty-five to one thirty-eight on a live basis, mostly one thirty-six to one thirty-seven. That's steady to a dollar lower compared to the previous week. Up north, dressed sales sold two seventeen to two eighteen, fully steady with the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up a dollar fifty-four at two ninety sixty-five. Select up three ninety. At 283 even. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We'll travel to three different portions of Texas today to get sheep and goat markets. Let's begin in Uvalde with Klein Spear. Klein Spear, what did you see this week? We had about 500 heads, a real active market. Heavy lambs, 280 to 375, and those light lambs were 320 to $4. Those fat ewes were $1.20 to 210, and those thin packer ewes were. 
75 to dollar 40 packer nannies dollar 80 to 240 and those fat spanish nannies a dollar 50 up to 240 stocker nannies two to three dollars good cabritos three to 430 the lightweights were 360 up to 470 tell everybody how to get a hold of you klein Call us at the office, 830-278-5621, or my cell phone, 830-591-3241. Now, neighbor, let's go from Uvalde to Seguin and talk to Brian Lentzman. Brian, how'd you sell sheep and goats on Wednesday? Sheep and goat market, it was on fire again today. Those good nannies from 230 to $300, and the good kid goats from 380 to 420 Dorper used 200 to 240 with the lambs bringing 380 to 410 Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You can give us a call at 830-379-9955, or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652. Neighbor, now let's go to Frederick. See how they sold in the hill country at Gillespie Livestock. Sean Guy White, tell us. Ended up with sixteen hundred. Those better lambs kind of bring from from four dollars up to four six to sixty five on some of those real fancy ones. Kid market. Those better kids kind of bring up to four seventy five. I guess on the top end. Nanny market was steady comparable to last week. Might have been a tick higher. Billy market was a little bit higher. Thought we got along real well. Neighbor, of course, you can find Sean at Gillespie Livestock, Fredericksburg. Sheep and goats Tuesday. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pen on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're Dean Hogs wrapped up the week higher on Friday. February Hogs up 90 cents at 87.92. April Hogs up 25, 94.92. Class 3 milk steady to higher. January milk unchanged at 20, 36, 100 weight. February milk up 37 at 20, 21, 100. We hit life of contract highs in the cotton market on Friday. The nearby March contract traded as high as 125.60. It backed off a bit on the close, but still strongly higher on the day. March cotton up 213 points to end at 123.76. October cotton up 61 at 106.26, while the December topped a dollar. We backed it off just a bit before the close. It was up 90, closing at 99.73 cents. In the grain markets, corn traders continuing to watch the weather in South America, while wheat traders continue to watch the Russia-Ukraine situation. Both markets finishing higher on Friday. March corn up 10 and three quarters, 6.36 a bushel. New crop September corn up five cents at 5.84 and a quarter. July Kansas City wheat up seven and a half, 804 and a half. July Chicago wheat up eight and a half to close at 782 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 38 cents at 467. March crude oil up 1886.79 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 204 points, 34,394. The Nasdaq up 194 at 13,546, while the S&P was up 51 at 4,378. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today, 
is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.